keyboards. Known for typing. Famous for just typing. We're not doing the music ones. Nobody thinks much about them, so let's have some fun. Let's find out why keyboards are secretly incredibly fascinating. Welcome to a whole new podcast episode, a podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm not alone. My guests today are Jeff Rubin and Cody Ziegler. Really exciting. Really great. Jeff Rubin is an old, old pal of mine from the collegehumor.com days. That was a, a very formative place for me, working at College Humor. And Jeff Rubin is many, many things. He is the creator of LiesGame.com. That is a free multiplayer game that you can play with your friends. It's not an app. You just go to the website and then get a room and and get down to it. It can be over Zoom. It can be in person, whatever you want. There's new questions since he was on this show last time. And it's very, very fun, very, very quick. Just a really great way to, you know, liven up a hang and have a good time. Again, that's LiesGame.com. Very easy URL as well. Jeff also hosts a wonderful interview podcast called The Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show. And he's now doing a very, very funny series of videos. They're on his YouTube and his TikTok. The username for both of those is Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin. It's a video series where Jeff reviews children's books because he is a new father and he's, you know, he and his son are are receiving a lot of them. And he has the absolute best angle on these things. The next one is about Paul Learns to Be Polite. If anybody knows that one out in in the literature world. Anyway, you may remember Jeff from the Wooden Blocks episode of this podcast. Also, I have a new guest today in Cody Ziegler. Zig is an amazing podcaster and writer. He's written for many TV shows, including Rick and Morty. He's written comic books for Marvel. And then podcast-wise, he co-hosts The Dark Weeb with Brody Reed. And he's also a frequent co-host on the Crooked Media podcast, X-Ray Vision. And he guests all over on shows like Yo, Is This Racist? and The Daily Zeitgeist. He's very busy. Jeff's very busy. I am so glad they both made time to get way, way, way into this topic with me. Also, I've gathered all of our zip codes and used internet resources like native-land.ca to acknowledge that I recorded this on the traditional land of the Canarsi and Lenape peoples. Acknowledge Jeff recorded this on the traditional land of the Patwin people. Acknowledge Zig recorded this on the traditional land of the Gabrielino Ortongva and Keech and Chumash peoples. And acknowledge that in all of our locations, native people are very much still here. That feels worth doing on each episode. And today's episode is about keyboards. And we're talking specifically the typing kind that do characters and not the musical kind. That is a patron-chosen topic. Many thanks to Stephen the Lesser for making it happen. He, he led a months-long push for that on the Patreon and, and made it very fun for everybody, too. I, I'm really thrilled about that entire process and that it got us here. Also, extra thing to say, this will be the second time in three weeks that the show does not start with the Stats and Numbers segment because guests just asked exactly the right questions to bring in a takeaway sooner. And I'm finding that fun. I would love to know what you think about that. I think I think the more the show flows naturally, the better. And so that's what's going on. Anyway, with all that setup complete, please sit back or return your fingers to the home row 
because even when you're not actively typing, it is nice to be home. Either way, here's this episode of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating with Jeff Rubin and Cody Ziegler. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Jeff, Zig, it is so good to have you. And of course, I always start by asking guests their relationship to the topic or opinion of it. Either of you can start, but how do you feel about keyboards? Uh, I guess I'll go first. As I mentioned before we started recording, I had no strong take on keyboards either way up until three weeks ago. Uh, a friend, Heather Ann Campbell, got me uh, my, my first mechanical keyboard. It's a Gundam keyboard. Uh, we're both fans uh. of Gundam, and she got me that. And uh, I, I haven't even plugged it in and actually used it. I just typed it dry. And, like, I get it. Like, I'm, I, I completely understand the appeal of, like, buying expensive mechanical keyboards. Like, it feels like I'm at, like, an old, like, typewriter, like, typing out. Like, I'm the detective typing up, like, how old Mrs. Kinsworth killed her, her, killed her husband to get the insurance money or whatever. I love it. I can't go back. <laughs> it sounds like you feel like an old murder mystery novel character, but also it's a Gundam yeah. thing? Is this all happening at once? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just modeled. I mean, I, I wish I wish I would. I should have brought it out. It's just like... Very steampunk. Yeah, it's like, it's got the colors of like a Gundam <laughs> and like, it has like emblems on like certain keys and stuff. And uh, it really does feel like, uh, I feel like I'm actually like doing work when I am typing. Like I only use it for like writing. I, I write TV and stuff. So like I use it for that because I feel like I'm actually like doing actual work when I do it. It's a, uh, it's a great feeling. I under, I get it. I get it 100% now. I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> very tactile that's awesome yeah and yeah i like jeff what you said about steampunk being thing now i want one of those victorian <laughs> murder mystery people to like have a mac as they're doing the, yeah. <laughs> the cases yeah so i don't do mechanical keyboards i've never tried one but the reason is because i actually have uh I'm, I'm into ergonomic keyboards and it's like hard enough mm. to find an ergonomic mm. keyboard i like i if i could find one that was also mechanical i'd probably go ahead and do it but i'm an ergonomic keyboard weirdo like i started <laughs> i remember like when i started working and just like a few months into like working after college my wrist started hurting and i was like uh-oh i have a lifetime of this ahead of me i better figure <laughs> something out and i got an ergonomic keyboard and it totally solved the issue mm. and i've been i've been rocking them ever since i get a lot of weird looks uh, you know, it's like kind of like like a it looks like kind of like a bat computer thing. It just like makes the computer look like bigger, but it's just a you know kind of a different shape. I love okay. keyboards and I hate pens. If I have to write something with a pen now, it is miserable. Like if I have to like write a check and I'm like you know like one hundred dollars and zero. <laughs> so like by the time I get to the sense, I'm like my my wrist is cramping up. I'm like I'm so I I think I. If I need to like write something, it takes me a while to find a pen because I almost own no pens or pencils. I'm like all I'm all about keyboards. <laughs> I do. I'm way slower with a pen or pencil. Like my typing speed is like fine, but for some reason my handwriting is incredibly slow. Yeah, I very, I relate to that. Yeah, I've I've circled back around where now I do my handwriting on my iPad. Like I just cut out the the. The physical oh, pen nice. and paper anyway. So it feels like like I, I literally have a notebook right next to me, but like I never use it. Like I just go straight to to the iPad now. It's very it's a weird little circumvention <laughs> that I've been doing. I don't know why. Do iPad and maybe you'll explain this, Alex, but do iPad and iPhone keyboards, like do virtual keyboards count as keyboards in your view? I was thinking about that as 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 we prepared here. I think they do count and I don't really have any interesting information about them beyond oh they're cool like it's an evolution of it and kept it going but i think they count yeah it's part of the family yeah 
Because that, but like, even when we moved to everything can be touchscreen and like, I feel like something like Star Trek mm-hmm. said, oh, it'll just all be voice computed. Nobody types anything. There's like three buttons and then you talk. That's it. But like in real life, as soon as we had touchscreens, we were like, how do I fit a hundred keys onto the screen? I yeah. need this immediately. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys, since we already brought up anime, I think it's good. I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge anime person, but I've seen, I've dabbled and I saw, I think it's mm-hmm. Ghost in the Shell, which I saw like in high school, like a long time ago. And there's, I think it's in Ghost in the Shell. There's a shot of like, the, I think he's like the bad guy and he's over a keyboard and he hovers his hands over a keyboard and then his fingers oh, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. like, ex- he's got like robot hands yeah. and they explode into tiny little fingers and he starts typing <laughs> like even faster because he has like a finger per key. Like his hands have been modified. <laughs> yeah to turn into like one finger per key so he can type faster, which seems much harder than designing like a more efficient keyboard or whatever. But I always, that shot yeah. really stuck with me. Like I think about it often. That's funny. Yeah. I remember I was taking <laughs> typing classes at the time and it filled me with such dread when I was like, you know, in middle school, but like this guy's typing like 2000 words per second because each individual digit had its own like five little digits that pop out. It was very, very stressful. And this image has also stuck with me for a very long time. I, Jeff, I hope this is, doesn't embarrass you, but the previous time you were on the podcast, we also talked about that ghost of the shell scene. So it really, really? did stick with you. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. It's really I, in your head. Yeah. Uh, find a way to bring it up about wooden blocks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will have to, I, I just remember we talked about it. That is it was incredible. Great. I don't think I talk about it quite that much. I am a little embarrassed, but it did really stick with me. It did really stick with me. I use the GIF a lot when I'm like starting to get to work on something, you know? Yeah. You know, I just remembered so, some, something else about keyboards is I've often looked up how Japanese and other like kind of uh, mm-hmm. languages with more than 26 characters, how keyboards work. I feel like I've looked that up several times because I always forget. Like it's I, I, I can never like hold on to the information for like how those keyboards <laughs> work. Obviously, I mean, I don't speak Japanese, so it's like of limited use to me. It's hard to retain, but like. Yeah, it's it's like uh, you know, like MacBooks still have the same shape and kind of um, form in Japan, and like mm-hmm. I don't quite understand how that works. You know, we can. I think we can jump straight into a takeaway of the show. We'll go back to some Great. other stuff later. Uh, let's go into <laughs> takeaway number one. Oh, and my notes are down here, so it looks like I'm paying attention, but. Uh, <laughs> Takeaway like number you're one. DM, you're DMing this conversation about, <laughs> yeah, about, yeah. about Roll three for crit. Alex just, just said that he's like, he's like behind like a DM screen. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's using a block yeah. sound, but it looks like he's like about to send us into the dungeon to kill goblins <laughs> with gold or something. <laughs> Takeaway number one. Other languages have their own QWERTIES. And this is kind of a quick one because a lot, a lot of its visuals will have pictures linked for people. But there's like there's sort of the the QWERTY setup is very English language centric. And it Mm -hmm. turns out most other languages, not only are there some variations on the keyboard, but also it tends to be standard. And then one thing I found along the way with that is that in languages with a lot of characters, like like you said, like Japanese or, or Chinese or other languages, there will tend to be just this same QWERTY keyboard. Like they don't bother changing that up. But what they do is they use uh, what's called an input method editor. So on the on the inside of the computer side, they're changing what those keys do. And then you can do things mm. that add up to the characters. Did they have Japanese pre-computers? Were there Japanese typewriters like before they had that input side of it? Like, oh. Or did they just not 
have keyboards until they had a digital solution kind of to help manage it. Yeah, that I don't know. I, I would imagine it just had to be the Latin alphabet if you want to use a typewriter. Yeah, because it's just too many characters. How would you do it? Right, right, right. Yeah, I was wondering if you have to, like, I think the minimum is like 2,000 to be, 2,000 characters to, like, be sort of, like, fluent and have everyday conversations. So, like, I did wonder that, too. Like, how, oh, how wow. did they get around? Or maybe maybe they used a romanticized version of, of the language. I don't know. Now I'm just completely taking swings in the dock. I have no idea. I don't speak Japanese. <laughs> I've never studied it. Zig, not to put you on the spot, but is there like kanji on your shirt? I, That's I, true. Yeah. I, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I say that as I have uh, I have my uh, Little Shop of Horrors uh, Japanese t-shirt that I have yeah, on. Yeah, rules. It, that rules. So, That's oh, really thank cool. Thank you. And you just feel very authoritative to me since I can see you wearing it. Like, I yeah, it. you know, yeah, you know, I, you know, I watched it. I just, as you know, I've, I've seen Ghost in the Shell many times. Like, I obviously have a, a grip on the culture. I know so much about it. What's great about that? <laughs> oh, I love Ghost in the Shell. You know, there's this one scene. I love what I love about your shirt <laughs> is it's that like, Jap- it appears to have Japanese translations of like every word, and it says Rick Moranis above the title, and then under that there's some Japanese. So I can only assume you, like, that's how you say Rick Moranis in Japanese, yeah. which is just like a handy little cheat sheet to have, you know. Yeah. I mean, when you're learning any language, the basic phrase book is like "Hello, how are you, Rick Moranis," and then and then from yeah, there yeah. you pick up other things. Yeah, yeah honey, I shrunk the kids. It's just translated in every in every language. It's your go-to phrase. Yeah. That's a fascinating thing with keyboards. There's going to be some examples here where they change the keyboard slightly because it's a simple enough alphabet that that makes sense. But so it's like, say, the Canadian alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> you have extra E's and A's and O's. It turns out online there's no research about Canada, actually. It's a not understandable place. It's really amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's so different. But uh, yeah, according to Daniel Engler, who wrote this for Slate that I read, with the example of Mandarin Chinese, there are a few different input method editors. There's one that lets you type the pinyin for characters, which is like the English phonetic equivalent. So you're doing it by sounds. Mm. Uh But then he says speed typists in mainland China use an input method called wubi. And when you type a character in wubi, you don't spell out how it sounds you punch in a sequence of keys that corresponds to what the characters look like and how they're drawn. Oh, wow. So if, if he's right, wow. there's at least two whole different ways to do a QWERTY keyboard into those characters. What about um, stenographer keyboards? I feel like that's something oh, yeah. else like, I've looked up and like been like, how do those work? And then I watch a video and I'm like, oh, interesting. And then 30 seconds later, gone. Like, I have no idea. Like, <laughs> like, but while I'm watching, it's like, you know, like I'm watching a video about like Bitcoin or something. I'm like, I think I get it. And then 30 seconds later, if you were like, explain it to me, I have no idea. Um, stenographer yeah. keyboard is kind of its own language in a way, you know, like um, the way you input information there. Those stenographer keyboards, there's like, I need to look up the exact number, but more than a dozen keys, and you type a word by hitting all the letters at the same time. That that reminds me. I've been I'm, I'm a I've been there's been these TikTok videos that have been popping up in my algorithm of these cats that use this this keyboard that's like ten buttons, and you just rest your fingers on it, and like you manipulate sort of like ghost the shell, like you just manipulate <laughs> your digits, and like each each uh, each I guess uh, button is is coded to like. Uh, a series of letters so like you can basically type you can basically if you're really good you can type like 300 400 words a minute by just like divvying out like your fingers like that uh i yeah. got i look it up and send it to you because it's, it's very interesting to watch i would never in a million years type like that because it seems uh 
incredibly stressful. And I feel like I would have an aneurysm, but it is interesting seeing like cats just like develop new ways to type. <laughs> the thing about typing, wow. and I imagine we'll get, I, I don't know, Alex, like to the QWERTY layout and like maybe like the ORD, like why the keyboard is laid out the way it is or whatever. Totally. But like, what it's imp- it's a crazy thing to have to learn so like once you learn yeah. to do it one way like i have no interest yeah. in like relearning even if it was like twice as good it'd be so hard to relearn typing i've been doing it for so long i've internalized it i'm sure like probably within our lifetime they'll invent something that's better and like young people will use it and like will not get it and mm-hmm. like um keyboards will probably fade away or something but the 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 learning curve for learning something new you know mm-hmm. it, yeah um, many years ago, I interviewed um, Bennett Foddy, who made the game Quop um, and Getting Over It. If you're familiar with them, they're like in kind of intentionally frustrating games. Like if you saw them, you'd probably recognize like seeing like Let's Plays of people like kind of playing and cursing. Quop is the one where there's like a racer and his like limbs, each button controls a limb and his limbs are flailing. And Getting Over It's the one where there's like awesome. a guy in a pot and he's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Things. Anyway, mm-hmm. his point about Quop was like he actually came up with that game because. He was he learned about this guy who um, had an artificial arm and he controlled the arm with the chest muscles. And like over time, he learns to control it just as like it's a hard you have to relearn how to use your arm because it like operates in a totally different way. Like you're using your chest muscles. But over time, he like relearns like a new, I guess, paradigm for moving. And I get I think that's kind of like what learning a new Mm. keyboard is like. Like you really have to like learn a new system well enough that you're like not thinking about it, that you can just like do something else on top of it, you know, which just seems so intimidating. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, not, it's not even just retraining your brain. You're also like, you're saying that like, you got to retrain your muscle memories. Like now, like instinctively, yeah. like I know to go to the, like, you know, I know that like my home keys or whatever they taught us in, in, in middle school or high school, whenever we had to learn it. But like learning the muscle memories, like for me, like at this point, I'm like, I'm 35 or 34. Like I, if it's not, if it, like learning new muscle memories seems so impractical at this point, like I rather just give up and like not do the totally. thing at this point. Do you think if I gave you a blank keyboard, I, we, I'm assuming we can all touch type as probably everyone within the sound of our voice can. But if I gave mm. you a blank keyboard, mm. could you fill in all of the keys like without kind of no. ghosting it? Like oh. if, if I sat there and I was like, mm. all right, I'll pretend mm. to type hello and then I'll figure it out. But like if you just gave me the blank keys and we're like, where do these go? I don't think I could do it. Yeah, I think I could get the the middle the middle row pretty good, but like once it once I leave that and I have to start hitting I's and O's and P's, like I think it's gonna be gonna get a pretty messy pretty fast. Yeah, mine. This this is a fascinating thought experiment. I'm, I'm looking at my computer and there's a little indent at the F and the J for my index fingers, sure, so yeah. to like line mm-hmm. it up. Yeah, I think if the blank keyboard had that guide. I could I could get pretty mm. far, and if it didn't have it, even if everything was the same shapes, I wouldn't know what to do. I'd be lost. Yeah. I'd be like, <laughs> I could type on a blank keyboard. I just like even now, you're like F and J have a little nub on them, and like I touch that nub mm-hmm. a million times a day. I'm looking at it right now, and like I never would have been able to tell you they're on the F and J keys. You know, I had to look mm-hmm. big time. Yeah. yeah, I think also playing video games like uh, like the the ASDW, like I got that unlocked. Oh, sure. Just yeah, from yeah, like yeah, yeah. playing, you know, for person shooting and stuff. But like anything outside of that, I'm lost. I got nothing. <laughs> I, I, it's going to be a rough. Uh... Well, it's weird how a keyboard is, has become such a definitive video game controller and it like is probably still yeah. the best way to control a first person shooter, which is, or whatever, you know, and like it, it is still yeah. the best way to play competitive video games at a high level if you're like very serious about it or even semi whatever. Like keyboards are a, and it's funny because like, they're not designed as a video game input, but video games have kind of yeah. like wrapped themselves around keyboards in a weird way. 
or a lot of PC games yeah, it's, have it's, anyway, you know, shooters and MOBAs and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's funny that you speak of that, like that, the ergonomics of like your keyboards. Like, you know, you look at a controller, video game controller, like it's obviously so perfectly suited for like human hands to hold and it's crafted and all that stuff. But like, we, even when it comes to like playing, like you said, high level competitive games, like this brick <laughs> that has, that does not see, <laughs> that does not scream ergonomic or like that it could, it, that it's, that its form could follow this function is still the best, one of the best means of doing it. It's very interesting thinking about that. Right, you're doing like Skyrim or or Fallout or the late like the latest <laughs> in video games, and it's on a, a device with like the page up key still. Or like... <laughs> That's a great. Like, let's, why? let's get rid of some keys. I guess like they, they, they're pretty. There's a lot of look. There's a lot of keys we could cut. Page up, yeah. page down. Like I feel like that predates the mouse. Like there's there's a few keys out there. I mean, I'm looking at the MacBook again. Like the laptop. I guess you have to be a little economical, but like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Even even like this this bracket plus curly bracket button. Do I really need the square brackets and the curly brackets that often? Maybe if you're a programmer yeah, that, or something. Yeah, that that seems like a, I mean, yeah. I guess programming it also seems like a holdover from like copywriting days. Like when you're, you know, yeah. I guess if you're like on a typewriter typing up something for shipments or whatever, like or doing like legitimate old copyright. Like you, maybe you need three different types of brackets. Uh, like parentheses not doing enough for you, so you gotta you gotta bring in the other ones. Or when like ninety nine percent of computer users were programmers too, and so yeah. like, well, I need a bunch of wacky yeah, yeah. symbols, and then I'm like, yeah. I want to open email, and I don't need any of this. Yeah, it's not me typing in pizza into Postmates now. Like that. it's we've evolved past the need for for multiple brackets. I assume they start getting used in code because like there are buttons that everyone has that aren't being used for anything else. Like I'm looking at the um, the pointy brackets that you use for HTML, and like I assume. They're just like, what's something that we're not currently using that we can like use? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what they came up with. They looked at the keyboard and that was the least useful thing. And they were like, all right, well, now it does this. We talked about like regular QWERTY and then there's regular QWERTY with a totally different input method for different characters. There's also, I didn't know a lot of Europe is doing this, but some European languages are doing a slight variation on QWERTY that makes my head hurt from an English language perspective. <laughs> uh, I sent you guys a picture of Azurdi, which is a French keyboard layout. It's apparently slightly more optimal for the French language. But, mm. you know, just a few keys have moved around. And obviously it's called Azurdi because that space where QWERTY is on an English keyboard, it's slightly different. Oh, this this feels, makes me my chest tight. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting that the Erty stayed. They were like, oh, this Q and W have to move. But the E-R-T-Y are just in the right place. Actually, in that first row, the Q and W are the only letters that move. The rest are still the same as the English keyboard. I wonder. Yeah. It seems crazy. I, I'm certain there's more efficient ways to organize the keyboard. And I'm like, now we have like basically <laughs> infinite data about how people use keyboards. And I'm sure they could do something yeah. better. But the problem is like, all right, let's say I get this keyboard and like I learn to use Azerty and like, wow, it's much better in France. I like if I ever go use another keyboard, like I'm in real trouble, you know, like we kind of mm-hmm. just have to all use the same thing practically. Right. I think uh, so. Now yeah. I'm wondering, I- I'm wondering if there's like, I mean, I'm sure the French can't be the only ones to have this. Like, it's like a German version of this. Like, you know, is there like a... Yeah. I'm wondering if there's like divisions for each, is, each like language group have this special keyboard. Because I'm assuming, especially if you're speaking a language that has, you know, like you're saying, like Russian, like a Cyrillic language, like, you know, that's more than 26, you know, letters in the alphabet. Like, I, I'm just curious how that breaks down country by country or at least language by language. That's a perfect question, because the source for most of these slightly different ones is mental floss, and the other two big ones they picked out from Europe are Germany and Russia. 
and the mm. the German one is one called Quartz. So it's slightly different. I, it's sort of like Azurdi. I didn't send a picture, but we'll have it linked for people. And then the Russian keyboard, because like you said, Sig, there's this Cyrillic alphabet. So you can do like a QWERTY style keyboard, but it's all different. And it turns out Russian keyboards have a like standard QWERTY. Everybody uses this layout. The The Latin alphabet acronym for it is J-C-U-K-E-N. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it. But uh, Jakukin or whatever is a standard format for Russian Cyrillic keyboards, and I, I mm-hmm. sent you guys a picture of, you know, it, it. I don't, I don't know Cyrillic, so it just looks like a random <laughs> keyboard to me. But they know it very well. Yeah, I, I took Russian for a year in, in oh. when I was in like community college. Uh, it's like this is I, I have not spoken it in over a decade, but like <laughs> looking at this keyboard, I was like, yeah, it would have been much much easier to type on this than trying to figure it out uh, on a on a old like an American keyboard, a U.S. English keyboard. Oh wow! I guess you know, looking at these alternate keyboards and thinking about like how you know, even if you learn it, you still have to deal with so many other keyboards. Is that right? Do people have to deal with keyboards beyond their own or is that just my life? Like maybe you just learn your keyboard and that's your computer and that's okay. You know, you don't, it doesn't come up often. I, I, Alex, do you know if, um, say like you have like an iPhone, like can you, when you switch languages, like does it switch the keyboard that you're using? Do you know anything about that? Like if I, like if I had this in Russian, like would the keyboard switch to this Jukin, Jusukin or whatever or I'm I'm curious to know about that layout. They're still sticking to QWERTY. I yeah, I believe especially with Apple stuff, there's like every keyboard. Like you can get whatever language keyboard you want uploaded. It adds an option, kind of the way you can switch to an emoji keyboard that like lets you mm-hmm. just kind of switch between keyboards. And yeah, that's what I was getting at is like the virtual keyboard thing does kind of solve this problem because like keyboards yeah. can be whatever layout you want. Like, mm-hmm. but I think virtual keyboards are not as good as regular keyboards. But also, I'm wondering if that's like an old man opinion of mine, and if like <laughs> kids are like you know feel the same way about keyboards that I feel about pens, and they're like, oh yeah, that old thing. No, I just like type it on my my thumbs are much faster. You know, like look how much smaller mm-hmm. and more efficient it is and i I don't know what the long term of that is i guess yeah well yeah even with the um thinking like uh so i have i guess i have two keyboards on on my phone now i know how i got them uh one is like you know regular typing with your thumb but other one is like the swipe typing like if you just like uh yeah yeah. yeah, like i've been using that a lot lately uh the past couple of weeks and like you should not be texting when you're in your car people first of all but (laughs) if you happen to be at a stoplight it is much more faster and safer to do it with like just swiping with your thumb you know while while you're while you're idling as opposed to taking two hands and and texting the new york equivalent of that is you can do it while you're like hanging onto the strap on the subway like often in the subway you'll find yourself like with only one hand just because you're hanging on to something else for dear life so it definitely Mm -hmm. comes up yeah the swiping thing is interesting because that is like a new way of inputting text onto a keyboard that is probably not going anywhere and like will probably be around for some time. And I bet like there are some young people who prefer it and like, you know, it will become the way they enter text into computers. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Probably some old people too, but you know, mostly, mostly <laughs> young folks. Yeah. We'll be phased out long by then. But, and I guess in between the oldest and the newest, shout out to T9. T9, folks. T9. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Where what, you had to do way I, too much tapping. Yeah. <laughs> T9 is so funny because it was just like, what? it was like such a, it was, it was like a week, you know? It was like, yeah. it's such a, yeah. everyone, you can really like, I don't know. I feel like it was a year where we all knew it and then it was just gone. It was just like wiped out like the dinosaurs, you know? Yeah. Like just so useless. 
Yeah, it was such a such a such a one to one holdover from like having touchpad phones where like you know you have to dial in one eight hundred bit car like you would so tap funny, the five yeah. six times or whatever <laughs> to get to the thing and like once they once they realized we could just put actual keyboards on this thing like we 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 we, didn't, we don't need to do this anymore we, well, we, we've 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 gone past this yeah <laughs> remember pre iPhone like a lot of. The pre-iPhone smartphones had like tiny QWERTY keyboards on them yeah. with like, you know, 50 tiny keys or whatever it is. And that was bad. And like that, like, uh, you know, Apple, I think, sort of revolutionized that. And I don't think anyone really makes like BlackBerry, I think, stuck with it for a while because like mm-hmm. there were, as is kind of a theme I'm kind of hitting on here, like there were old people who were like, no, no, this is the <laughs> way. And they didn't want to adjust to the virtual screen. I think BlackBerry like was like, we're sticking with the physical keyboard for like our core customers or whatever for like a little longer than usual but now obviously everyone you know has moved over to the screen which is just a much it makes much more sense <laughs> yeah i i have funny i remember the first phone i had that had a physical keyboard like you have to turn it to the sides flip sure. it up and then like actually type one in like your phone was so thick because it had to have like an actual little small mechanical <laughs> keyboard inside of it and like heaven forbid if you like bump into anything like it cracks your screen then you're like it's just game over but yeah. i am glad that, that that like two to three year period where like everyone had like a full little typewriter in their pocket was was it was a was a fun time to be around <laughs> it is funny that people are like all right yeah. well keyboard big will make keyboard small and then like apple or whoever <laughs> like someone will come along and like really innovate it and like move things forward but yeah you can see like how people like it takes a minute to figure out how to do the new thing um and like your instinct is to just like just slightly update the old thing but mm-hmm. like actually sometimes it requires like a, a you know a real rethinking <laughs> Right. You can't just shrink stuff, as we learned from Rick Moranis, obviously. It's not a solution (laughs) to situations you're in. (laughs) There's more QWERTY stuff here in another segment they'll take us into about the origin of it. And on every episode, it's usually our first thing, but I flipped it around. But the next fascinating thing about the topic is a quick set of fascinating numbers and statistics. And this week, that's in a segment called... There's a stats man counting in the sky. He'd like to tell us numbers, but he thinks he'll blow our minds. Yeah, lovely voice, okay. Alex. Thank you. Excellent. The throat clearing. The throat clearing is what made it for me. Yeah, folks, I cut out about half an hour of warm-ups limbering. Uh, the guys were really great hanging out for some it. Some really beautiful runs he was doing. Some really beautiful uh, triplets. It was really, really fast. It was really, really great. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that uh, that name was submitted by Susan Bernson. Thank you, Susan. We have a new name for this every week. Please make it as silly and wacky and bad as possible. Submit to SipPod on Twitter or to SipPod at gmail.com. Uh, and this, this segment has the origins of QWERTY in it this week. Because the first number is 1878. 1878 is the year when the first documented appearance of the QWERTY keyboard layout popped up. It was in a patent application for a typewriter. Cool. Yeah. Who is there like a John QWERTY who invented it? Oh, uh, <laughs> I wish. Seymour <laughs> <See> QWERTY. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I'm surprised he didn't, you know, I think it's because, so his name is Christopher Latham Scholes. And now my theory is because Scholes has two S's, he couldn't like just plug his whole name into the, the keyboard. You know what I mean? Like it would repeat. Right, right. Notice. That makes sense. Yeah. But he he and a few partners were some of the first U.S. typewriter manufacturers And then they hit it big by partnering with the Remington Company. Remington was mainly a gun manufacturer. But uh, in in the crossover. Yeah. (laughs) And apparently, and this is Smithsonian talking about this. I guess in the 1870s, Remington was 
uh, weighed down because the Civil War ended in the U.S., and so they needed other business to do their like precise mechanical engineering in, and they hit on typewriters. It's such a sh- it's that's too bad the Civil War ended, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a real- they really took a hit. That's <laughs> that's a shame. But yeah, and so then they got into typewriter making. They used QWERTY keyboards on those, and then they also uh, gave away free typing classes in order to like get people hooked on. Only knowing QWERTY and only using Remington. Yeah. And then later on, they formed a cartel with other typewriter makers, and then all of them used QWERTY. And, and that's really why we have it today. It's just straight from typewriters. Uh, that's so funny. I mean, it's also so American. Like, like we're going to create a market, and then <laughs> yeah. we're going to falsely inflate it to make it be like our product, the only one that can serve it. It's, serve. it's like uh, that whole yeah. Got Milk campaign that just, like, kick-started and... and to like, like you know, just to get mix milk milk sales up. It's very funny to see that that's being used to sell keyboards and like not even keyboards, like a uh, one layout, one very specific layout of keyboards is very funny. Yeah, what, what, right. It's like got QWERTY. It's like oh, you want somebody <laughs> to type without QWERTY, and then everybody looks yeah. at you funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you a poor? You don't use QWERTY, please. You don't have a gun typewriter. Lame. Bad. <laughs> I guess it makes sense. Like. They would have to stand it. I'm glad they standardized because, like, if you had to relearn typing with every like typewriter you got, yeah, maybe yeah. that wasn't there or anything, but that seems like it would have been difficult. Um, so it, it made sense they had to like align around a standard, but I'm not surprised to learn that you know someone got rich doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it is capitalism partly optimizing something. It's like, we're going to make all the money, but also people do want this yeah. part, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we're, yeah. Broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Did you guys take typing lessons? Because I, I, when I was a kid, there was a computer class, but like you couldn't do yeah. that much interesting stuff with computers. So like they would teach us to type and I knew how to type because I was a little dork believe it or not and um, um but i think that was unusual at the time like most of my classmates like did not know how to, i mean they all know now or whatever but like i wonder now like i think you probably like kids just show up knowing how to type i would assume you know yeah i imagine yeah imagine especially if they're doing like coding classes and stuff now like i'm imagining it's like it's just like people just know how to do it or younger people know how to do it like i so i feel like i had typing classes in elementary school um i'm from the south so like i was basically like the first time we ever got computers like we'd, we'd always do those like typing games like you know sure words would come down you type it like that's how you would do it and, and i think that eventually evolved to like i think in, in maybe like early early high school we would do the same thing but the words would get a little bit more complicated and like that was basically how yeah. we got how they like rushed they're like hey we're gonna take all these farmers and teach them how to actually like type <laughs> stuff and like that that's basically where it were we're ended at it's like typing you know precious or something like that's the big word that we're <laughs> Yeah, we were we were learning today this week. I feel like in six my sixth grade computer class in the nineties, I learned how to type. But I feel like in a current day sixth sixth grade computer class, you probably learned like Java or something. You know, yeah, like they Photoshop. Probably, yeah. They, they give you actual skills. Yeah, yeah. I had, it's, it's those. Yeah, what were you gonna say, Alex? Oh, I, and I I had a similar experience to Zig with grade school being learning it, but I, and then. I, but I also, we, we had a computer and I think I exclusively used AWSD and shareware games. Like I remember being real grouchy <laughs> about having to learn typing in school as an enforced thing. Right. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I just yeah. hunted and pecked until somebody made me do it better. Yeah. 
<laughs> some of those typing games are pretty compelling. Like there mm-hmm. are like some that like there's good. There's some typing games you can play if you're a grown up. Typing of the Dead is a popular one, but I feel like there's a yeah, few like yeah. web typing games that like let you compete on a leaderboard. And I've definitely seen friends get very into that. Yeah, you can do it faster than others like any other race like it's just it is fun to like yeah. concentrate it's not so fun i'm not like but like once in a while there yeah. is, i get the appeal of like concentrating and trying to type as fast as you can you know and like yeah. really like focusing on the task yeah is that fun once in a while that's fun it's not like a great it's a, it's a self-challenge <laughs> I, I get it like i i also yeah. have monstrous fingers so like I I do I've over the years I've evolved to where like now I just like I can like just type with like four fingers basically because otherwise I'm I'm smushing multiple buttons so like every now and then as a challenge like I'll try to like I'll play like a typing of the dead just to see how fast I can get and I don't get too far because I got these big thick stubby fingers and like they sort of f- up as I'm as I'm typing along but once you get getting into the zone is it, pretty fun getting yeah there's the a zone bit. that's right yeah. you can get into a flow a flow state with it it's yeah. really fun yeah well. There's also there's like a kind of legend, maybe true thing where people claim that the QWERTY layout was designed to prevent typewriter jams, like to make it inefficient and spread out the letters. Um, Smithsonian says that's not really verified anywhere. They also cite a 2011 study from a team in Japan that looks back at the historical record and says that QWERTY came from feedback from telegraph operators. So English language telegraph operators like the shorthand that was useful to them, they pushed for a typewriter that was optimal to that. So that might be it, but it's not totally clear why we have this exact layout. I'm just saying, if you were like, all right, blue sky, we're inventing keyboards, where should all the letters go? <laughs> I'm probably like putting all the vowels in the middle, right? Like just, just a, an S, you know, like the vowel, yeah. I guess A and S ended up pretty prominent, but like, it's just, I wonder how they ended up with like this specific layout that we all like have internalized into our brains so deeply now, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Now I'm staring at my keyboard, like the letter I and the letter O are only a little bit easier than those brackets over there. Right? Like that's, yeah. yeah. Come yeah. on. Those are important vowels, folks. I'm going to get on a soapbox about them. Folks, we need to stick up for them. <laughs> I mean, uh, Z is Z and X are kind of stowed away. Z, X, and Q are all stowed away in the corner. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, that's you're not cool. really using those. Well, I mean, Zig, you are. But sure. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's really just for me. Me and my family, that we're the only ones really making use of those Zs. Yeah, my name's Alex. Hey, wait a minute. Jeff, now we're mad. Now we're mad at Jeff <laughs> for Z and X erasure. J, yeah. the J key gets gets one of those little nubs, you know. It's an important <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you're 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 a north you're a guiding home star. <laughs> when speaking of keyboard rearrangement, next number here is 1936. Just another year, 1936. That is the year when August Dvorak shared his new keyboard design, the Dvorak keyboard. Have either of you used that or tried to use that? I've heard of it and never done it. No. I've heard of it again, just being like dork adjacent my entire life. I've definitely like heard of it, but I don't think I've like seen one sold at a Best Buy or anything. You know, like I, I've seen it as an option in some settings menus or something, but like I can't say I've ever seen it. And 
I, my understanding is it's faster. I'm sure that's right. It's like such a dorky thing to be like, I'm going to learn the faster thing. It's going to make me faster and more efficient. It will make every keyboard I interact with, it'll make everything more difficult for the rest of my life. Like every keyboard, like I'm going to have to change the settings. I'm going to go to your home, like try to use your keyboard and be like, oh boy, it's QWERTY. This is so slow. It's like to gain this, like, I, I get it. I'm sure it's faster. I have no doubt it's faster if you're like willing to do the work. But like, I'm, I maybe it's just my personality. I'm just like, whatever society's doing is fine i don't want to yeah. like i'll just go with the flow on this you know yeah i'm looking at it right now and like layout wise like i like most of the symmetry like I, it like visually it makes sense to me like looking at it, like it just have a couple inches at the top all your layers in the middle and a couple more at the bottom like I, I like visually how it looks but uh to jeff's point like you know it, it's good enough for like most of the people on the planet like well i'm, I'm not gonna be the one that's gonna buck the buck the trend like i'm not gonna want it's gonna be stirring the pot here yeah. It would cause so much stress. Just like with, so, there's so many times you interact with keyboards. So if there were like two types, it just would take so much work. Like, I, I guess I, I don't know. I'd love to hear from like a Dvorak person who like really mm. uses it. Like, I don't know, like how long it took and if it was really worth it. Cause it does, I don't know, it's like kind of mythical. Like, I know it's out there and I've <laughs> truly never heard. And I know some huge losers. So, uh, <laughs> like, I feel like yeah. I'd know someone. <laughs> yeah. I, I, had to google for like an account from someone who uses it and we'll link to the verges john porter who describes kind of a mixed experience with it there, there's good and bad basically he says but according to hack can you just order one from like amazon like i can just buy it there are dvorak keyboards like i can just buy them yeah i just googled some and they, they, they they've popped up like i see one that's on amazon right now a bluetooth one so i think i think mm. you can i think you can, you can get them pretty easily it looks like but I guess it's the same layout, so probably what you'd do, you could probably use a QWERTY keyboard if you, like, internalize the layout. Like, if you scrambled mm -hmm. the keys on my keyboard, it wouldn't affect me even a little bit, right? So, like, if you, as long as you know the thing, you can use any keyboard. You just have to, like, I think, it's, you just have to change the settings, I guess, but I'm not sure. Yeah, that's what uh, this Verge article by John Porter, he says he does an input method change, sort of like those high-character set alphabets, mm -hmm. like, where he just uses a qwerty keyboard he doesn't own one and types the the got it got it and like you're saying like every machine in the world more or less is now the thing you used to do that you probably can switch back to but it's maybe annoying like i, I, don't, I don't know if the, the curve <laughs> is worth it yeah and it's also apparently according to hackaday.com it's sort of understudied how good or bad this keyboard is it, again, it was created by August Dvorak. He was an educational psychologist and U.S. Navy veteran. Uh, the goal was to keep the most common letters in the English language in the home row. I guess it, it mainly has never taken off, but the main chance it had was World War II because he developed <laughs> oh, this no. 1936 and then the U.S. military was short on typists. They just needed people doing all kinds of different things. And so they let Dvorak run a study of retraining people on his keyboard and seeing if it was faster. Because if it's faster, then you need less typists, and maybe that fixes it. And in a very small study of a few dozen people, they seem to type faster. But other sources I've got say that's not very scientific, and we've never, like, really checked if this is better or not. Like, we still don't know? Yeah. But no one cares. No one wants to learn a new keyboard thing. It's just like, <laughs> even if it's faster, yeah. I don't want to use yeah, it. I think that's the important part. Yeah. 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 Like, I, like, I'm completely satisfied with how fast I type. It's just about as fast as I can think. Like, I don't yeah. feel as if the, if the keyboard was more efficient, it would make my day that much better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Squeeze out a couple more words per minute. Now nah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good where I'm at. 
Right. <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, I write, but I'm not like hurry? a stenographer or a coder where like, you know, it might really need a lot of words. I, maybe there's someone, but I'm just, I'm just not interested. Sorry, Mr. Dvorak. <laughs> it does seem like someone could like train an algorithm to figure out just like what, yeah. I feel like a computer could solve the best keyboard layout. I still wouldn't want to use it or anything, but like, I feel like it's <laughs> extremely solvable by a computer to figure out like, what are the keys people use and just make this mm-hmm. as efficient as possible. That's true. I feel like pre-internet that was very hard to solve and like now we have the tools and then oddly the internet maybe makes it easier than ever to shop for a different keyboard like the the internet's nature might make this finally improvable but but we're all old and don't want to yeah i'm sure i'm assuming all these all these have very dedicated and very active reddit communities so like i'm sure they're they've (laughs) done the research but people have done the research you just have to compile them all together (laughs) <laughs> extremely toxic reddit communities where they're like just really rude to qwerty people and just like yeah. just uh, harassing them and <laughs> dox doxing qwerty supporters yeah and, yeah, like, yeah they're like they're commenting and then attaching a video of themselves typing it the way they do like to prove yeah. it you know like <laughs> <laughs> next thing here is a big trumpet sound for a big takeaway before that we're gonna take a little break We'll be right back. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! It's hard to explain what happens on Jordan Jesse Go. So I had my kids do it. Saying swear words. Saying swear words. Yeah, um, bad jokes. Bad jokes? Bad jokes. Maybe it's like you tell people that you're going to interview them and then you just stay there like, like really quiet and try and creep them out. <laughs> it's just really boring. Because of Jordan, right? Not me. Because of both of you. Oh. Subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go, a comedy show for grown-ups. Well, uh, uh, off of those kind of keyboards, let's get into some even other ways this could have gone. Another main takeaway for the main episode. Takeaway number two. Our keyboards could have been shaped like balls. Uh, really just one ball. But this is a a fun story about an early version of the typewriter. I just sent you guys a picture of the Hanson writing ball, which was one of the first commercially successful typewriters. I mean, I don't know anything about engineering. It seems hard to make round metal things seems much harder than straight metal things like curves seem hard. I mean, this appeals to my ergonomic interest, you know, like, (laughs) okay, I can kind of see this. 
I feel like uh, I feel like this is a domino. Is this, like the, the first domino was this, and the last domino was like just a hovering orb that like you stick your hands in to like manipulate <laughs> the things in like the year twenty forty five or whatever. Like I, I I would love to see the trajectory of this thing where it would have ended if it actually caught on because it looks rad. It looks awesome. Like we all live in spheres instead. Yeah, like the whole world yeah, is yeah. round. <laughs> Are all the letters on one ball, or do I need two balls, one for each hand? Yeah, so this is, it's a single spherical shape with the whole set of keys on it. And they, when you see it, folks, like... A one-ball solution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, yeah, and it looks like typewriter keys, but it's just on sort of a ball, and then there's kind of a, a roll of typewriter paper below it. So you're using the single ball to... I, I can't figure out where you put your hands unless you're like hovering yeah. over it like a little squirrel or something but but you this looks so way. much more complicated to build and there is no discernible advantage just looking at this picture <laughs> like I, like it's not clear like what it would do better it looks it just looks crazy yeah i gotta find someone typing on this but thing. even the paper looks like it's curved like it writes on the paper is curved everything's round exactly yeah the, the whole thing is like especially with computers versus typewriters i think of stuff being square like like even like we had mm-hmm. those beige boxes in the 90s and stuff like it's all squares sure. and rectangles and corners and stuff and then uh a a danish inventor named hansen came up with this hansen writing ball where it's a whole spherical situation it's just a completely different way of doing a keyboard Wow. It looks like it was fun to build, but yeah. <laughs> it's just so much more complicated. And yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not buying it. <laughs> literally, you're literally not going to buy it. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> it's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, and for for a few different reasons, we've ended up with the flat keyboard shape. And wh- apparently, one big factor was the invention of the shift key. The shift key turned out to be a hugely important typewriter key because then it let them basically have less keys for more characters and it made typewriters cheaper to make and easier to make but the mm. the shifting made the most sense on this sort of flat menu of keys that that we're used to a shift key makes a lot of sense but it's really cool to imagine it like mechanically like on a computer mm. like great whatever it's nice and we use it but like mechanically the idea there's like one button you hold that i guess shifts like the underlying mechanics yeah. so like they're all on that's it's clever but that was mm. uh i bet that was neat when they first invented it don't know who did invent it and whoever did it must have felt like splitting the atom like i can i can do everything now with this <laughs> this typewriter yeah <laughs> it's interesting because shift is probably like it's probably called the shift key because i assume it shifted the mechanics and here we are yeah. like 100 years later or whatever and we're still called the shift key even though like you know it's all silicon now yeah yeah, yeah. It's like the mechanical <laughs> piece of it maintained you know, like delete. There was no delete or escape key. Like these are these are new computery words. But shift, like kind of, and I guess return also a little bit. Like the enter yeah, key yeah. on my on my oh. laptop is called enter and return. And mm-hmm. shift and return both kind of, and I guess tab maybe too. I don't know what a tab is to be honest. But like, invoke. yeah, it, they they seem like holdovers from the old mechanical errors. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Well, and speaking of computers, there's one more big takeaway for the main episode. Takeaway number three. We also could have ended up with computer keyboards that only have five keys. Oh, how does that work? Yeah, one one more time. We almost had computer keyboards that only have five keys, and that's because there was a super crucial technical demonstration in the early history of computers where a lot of things we do now were demonstrated and also a totally different and more reduced version of the keyboard. 
was part of the deal. Yeah, I, I like, gotta what, see what, what, I five gotta... keys. Yeah. You only get S. You got to get S in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you need an S because something's plural. Yeah. <laughs> and this this story, there's a few sources. There's Smithsonian and also an article for Wired by Adam Fisher. And then a great 99% Invisible episode produced by Louisa Beck. It's called Of Mice and Men. Amazing podcast. Check it out. But um, this it's called a key set, and it's just five buttons. And so... Like the letter A is one button, and then the letter B is the second button. The letter C is the first and second button. And then up from there, you can type all the letters, and you only need this one hand on just five keys. Like, not your fingers don't even have to move from thing to thing. You can just go, go, go. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, whoa. So this is... Okay. This is the one... I would consider using not like I'm yeah. never going to use any of these, but this is the yeah. most appealing thing you showed. Like all the alternate layouts, I'm not into the ball. Forget it. This thing, like <laughs> again, I'm not doing, but like I kind of get like why you would do it. Like it's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it does have some advantage. It seems complicated to learn yeah. or whatever, but it's distinct and has an advantage. Like I get this one. You know what? I bet that someone out there could program like a MIDI key, a, a MIDI keyboard to like sure, yeah. do this. Like I'm sure oh, that wow. there's uh, there's got to be some like. I'm sure there's some technology that you can currently use the version of this if you want to use it. I guess I wonder if there's typing nerds in the same way there's kind of like language nerds who just like learn other languages for fun. I'm so bad at other languages. Nothing could be (laughs) I I, I admire this, but like, you know, there's people who are just like, oh, yeah, I'm just like dabbling in Spanish for the weekend. Like they just love. I wonder if there's that Mm -hmm. for typing. And it's just like, yeah, no, I'll I'll learn that for a week just because I'm interested in how typing Mm -hmm. works and like just the mechanics of it. I'm sure that that's out there. Yeah, they gotta be. Yeah, hit hit us up at ZipPod, ZipPodGmail.com. Typing I would nerds. love to find, like, the biggest typing nerd on yeah. the internet, you know? Not, like, the fastest, just, like, the biggest, and not, like, a keyboard collector, like, the actual act of typing, like, who yeah. studied different ways of typing. I'd love to find that person. This is an odd thing. I, I'm not good at sports. And I don't know if you guys are, but I feel like I feel like <laughs> I'm like not odd at all. We've we've heard the podcast, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, but I I feel like I'm more intimidated by the idea of learning a new keyboard than learning a new language or some mm-hmm. other to me purely cerebral thing. Like anything coordination related, I'm like, okay, that's a bridge too far. I'm gonna stick to yeah. an entire <laughs> other language that humans speak. Yeah. I do feel like learning this thing would be like learning how to golf. It's just like this new way of moving your body. Like it is a muscle memory thing. Like you do have to develop some new muscle memories and like um, be able to like kind of draw on them without thinking about it. And maybe skiing or something would be a better example. I'm also not into sports, believe it or not. uh, (laughs) But um, yeah, it is like a new, it is a new, maybe it's like learning a new instrument or something, but or maybe yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't yeah, not instruments, really I because like a new instrument's like gonna make new sounds. Like this is all gonna type the English alphabet at the end of the day. Like you're gonna get the same output, you know? You know, yeah, now funny enough, because I used to play trumpet, that's reminding me of this key set, because there's just three valves and you get all the notes. It's just the combos. <laughs> oh yeah, that makes Weird. sense. That makes sense. I have been preparing. Maybe it's like moving from trumpet to saxophone or something, like mm. where it's like similar, like there's buttons, <laughs> you know, but like they're like they're different and do different things. I don't know how any instruments work either, but um, maybe that's the metaphor. <laughs> yeah, baby. When this uh, this key set did not become common, but it was involved in a demonstration that happened in December 1968. There was a compu- uh, American computer engineer named Douglas Engelbart who was working at a private research and development firm in Menlo Park, California. And he and his team 
came up with a whole bunch of different new computing things in the 60s. For example, in 1964, they prototyped the first computer mouse. And then from there, they said, oh, we should like show people all these like cutting edge things we thought of. And so he booked a slot at a conference on December 9th, 1968. He gave a 90 minute demo that has since become known as the mother of all demos in like computing history, <laughs> because he he basically demonstrated having a computer that's on the Internet. They showed the first graphical user interface, hypertext links, like collaborative real-time documents, also the concept of using a computer to map the route from your office to your home oh, and wow. with like stops at the grocery store on the way in 1968 when no one had done this, oh, that's cool. <laughs> like any of it. That's cool. He actually demonstrated doxing someone too. He really like, he, he, he was like, and watch this. This is actually going to be a tool of hate too. Like, look, look at what I'm going to do here. I'm just going to casually ruin this person's life. Yeah, I'm going to do this. What we, I think we're going to call this swatting. What we're going to do is we're going to call the local, local care department. I also invented the PlayStation and some of you are fake fans of it. I'm going to get you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then the, the way he operated all this is partly something we don't do because he had the computer mouse that they prototyped. And then he also had this key set where it's just five buttons. And the goal was you can mouse and type at the same time fully. That was the whole point of a five button keyboard is that you can type in the one hand and use a mouse in the other hand for like a true total flow experience at a computer. I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I'm feeling this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a one-to-one -one for computer gaming. Like, yeah, I got one hand on the mouse, one hand doing the typing. Yeah, I'm with this. I could kind of see that because when you do play a keyboard, when you do use a mouse and a keyboard for a game, usually you are using, I don't know, seven keys on the keyboard. Like, you don't need all 40 or whatever, however many are on the layout. Yeah. So, like, I, I can see it. I'm into this idea. <laughs> yeah, it's basically a gaming mm -hmm. PC. That's amazing. Yeah, like, it's just that. But before there were good games at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and he, his other ideas ended up taking off partly because the demo was filmed and, and it was seen by people there. Also, apparently he didn't monetize them effectively, but Steve Jobs was shown like a whole set of the prototypes in 1979 when he visited the Xerox offices where they had like kept them for fun. But anyway, the key set didn't take off and that's in spite of his goal uh, he started the demo with this question, quote, if in your office, you as an intellectual worker were supplied with a computer display backed up by a computer that was alive for you all day and was instantly responsive to every action you have, how much value could you derive from that? End quote. And he tried to make keyboards like as seamless and interactive as possible. Uh, but we wanted that big flat thing from typewriters. No <laughs> Once we learn how yeah. to use it, you know. It's like, it's just so, it's just so hard to switch everyone. Yeah. And apparently he believed people would mm -hmm. prefer the key set once they got used to it. And we might, but I will not. I'm, I'm, I'm past that now. It's too late for me. Yeah. If, if anyone very, very young is listening, go this way, be in the future. Like, yeah, <laughs> you can still learn. Yeah. I get, it's kind of like if, if you try to invent stick shifts now, 
And you were like, <laughs> I know, you know, all, like this is a better truck. Like I know you're going to have to relearn a little, but like we've come up with a better way of driving cars. Like we'd be like, no, like we already know how to drive cars. Now I know there's like a history of it or whatever. So like it's sort of, and, but I'm right. just trying to think of like a comparison in another industry, you know, where like you really have to like change the thing. Yeah. Everyone does daily, like just like no, already knows how to do and like get them to change that behavior. It seems so impossible. Yeah, no, that that's a great metaphor. Yeah, if absolutely no one knew stick, and mm-hmm. then you tried to get them to do it, yeah, no one would do it. I can't drive stick. I, I can't either, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Zig is in an amazing roadster judging us. He knows everything about stick. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 what I mute whenever I'm not talking, but um, it's it's actually it's actually ten different gears. I have two clutches. It's, it's pretty intense, but it's like a Fast and the Furious movie. I'm just constantly shifting. <laughs> The steering wheel's like in your mouth or something. Like this is working. <laughs> this is better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, I'm skiing. Yeah. <laughs> Folks, that is the main episode for this week. My thanks to Jeff Rubin and to Cody Ziegler for raising their words per minute. In the talking sense. That's guesting on podcast, folks. That's what it is. Anyway, I said that's the main episode because there is more secretly incredibly fascinating stuff available to you right now. If you support this show on Patreon.com, patrons get a bonus show every week where we explore one obviously incredibly fascinating story related to the main episode. This week's bonus topic is the Gotham font and how that conquered the world. Visit sifpod.fun for that bonus show, for a library of more than five dozen other bonus shows, and to back this entire podcast operation. And thank you for exploring keyboards with us. Here's one more run through the big takeaways. Takeaway number one, other languages have their own QWERTIES. Takeaway number two, our keyboards could have been shaped like balls. And takeaway number three, we also could have ended up with computer keyboards that only have five keys, and we probably came a lot closer to that one. Those are the takeaways. Also, please follow my guests. They're great. Jeff Rubin's free, fun multiplayer online game is liesgame.com. You just log into the website and take it from there. Jeff is also the host of the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show podcast. Wonderful interviews there. And then if you look up Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin on YouTube or on TikTok, you'll find Jeff, who is a new father, reviewing children's books and doing it hilariously and really incisively. I love it. Again, that's Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin on YouTube and on TikTok. And then Cody Ziegler co-hosts the podcast, The Dark Weeb. He's also a frequent co-host on the podcast, X-Ray Vision, which is over at Crooked Media. And then I'll have a bunch more links for Cody Ziegler's comic book writing for places like Marvel Comics, TV writing for places like Rick and Morty, and a bunch of other guest appearances on just a bunch of other podcasts. Many research sources this week. Here are some key ones. A great article from Mental Floss by Chris Stokel Walker, which rounds up a bunch of the amazing world QWERTIES. Also linking an amazing online museum page. It's from the Smithsonian Lemelson Center for the Study of Invention and Innovation. And also going to link a great 99% Invisible episode called Of Mice and Men, produced by Louisa Beck. 
both of those take you way, way into that 1968 computer demo, the mother of all demos. And it's really amazing to see all that stuff happen so early. It's great. Find those and many more sources in this episode's links at sifpod.fun. And beyond all that, our theme music is Unbroken, Unshaven by the Budos Band. Our show logo is by artist Burton Durand. Special thanks to Chris Souza for audio mastering on this episode. Extra, extra special thanks go to our patrons. I hope you love this week's bonus show. And thank you to all our listeners. I'm thrilled to say we will be back next week with more Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. So how about that? Talk to you then. <laughs>